Alright, alright family, welcome to Made Men Mondays. This is your man, DB, transformed from trauma victim into a victor of a trauma and your emotional responsive coach. You are now inside the Made Men Project where every Monday we're bringing you an empowering person or message to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today, family. Frederick Douglass said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. My guest today is a man of many talents and wearer of many hats, Devon Brooks. Devon is the founder and owner of WMEG, the Movement Entertainment Group Radio, a local trucker company while also being a premier DJ in the Baltimore club music scene. In this episode, Devon shares his impactful story that is filled with hardships and setbacks, but also with grit, perseverance, hard work, and commitment. Devon is a true example of what dedication to one's dreams, hard work, and overcoming obstacles looks like. Make sure you share this project with others who you think can benefit from it. Just copy and paste the link. You can view all the interviews on my YouTube channel at Derek Butler Empowered. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, click the bell, and share. Remember to subscribe to the Made Men Project and leave us a rating and review. Now let the show and let the dismantling begin. Hey yo fellas, we, we made men, we made men, try to believe that within, I just wanna be a good man, okay, I know you all, but tell me you a good man, tell me you're a good man, so many men are being crushed, societal demands to be tough, yes you, yes you are enough, okay. I just wanna be a good man, I can't relate to you brother, cause you're a good man, yes you are a good man, I'm right beside you, I'm right behind you. I know that life could be hard. Right? You're not a coward, you got the power for talking about your scars. No, you're not so. Let me inspire you, empower you because society may want to see you fall. You got another brother to call. So many men are being crushed. Societal demands to be tough. Yes, you yes, you are enough. Don't bluff. Okay. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Hey, hey, I'm here, my brother. I love you. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Yo, 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 what's going on, good people? This your man, DBM Powers, and you're listening to the Made Men Podcast. We're talking about motivated, accessible, disciplined, and expressive men. We are here to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity. We are changing the male narrative. So many men are being crushed under societal demands to be tough, deny any kind of vulnerability, sensitivity, or any internal hurt or pain. It's time to change that narrative. And I have a special guest with me on today who's going to help me change that narrative and dismantle that false sense of masculinity. He goes by Devin Brooks, my man, DJ Rock Nice, the hardest the most best, the most talented DJ in the land. He is local. He is international. He is national. This is my guy right here. He's the hottest dude out here doing it. My man, what's going on, good brother? Glad to have you on. Hey, Dad, I'm glad to be on, man. Like I said before, man, I'm definitely proud of you, man. I'm really honored to be on your show, and you got my support 100%, man. 
Hey man, I appreciate that, good brother, man. I'm, I'm, I listen. I was, I really wanted to get you on here, man, because everything that you do for the community, everything you do for your businesses to help out other people who want to, you know, have something of their own, man. So this is important, man. I'm glad that you was able to jump on, man, and I'm ready to jump into this thing, man. So listen, first question, man, and, and, and you know, you and I talked about this off air before, you know, you know, on different times, but. You know, the most important thing I want to know for you right now, man, is when you were a boy, man, like, what was your example of a man? My dad. Hmm. My, my dad. My dad went to work every day. Yeah. My dad made sure that the household was taken care of. Um, he also made sure that he provided not for me, but provided for those that mattered to him. You know, hmm. he always made something happen. So my dad would be the best example I could see of a man. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that's great, man. You had your dad in your life, man. For so many of us black males, you know, that wasn't always the thing, man. We didn't have that. So that's great that you had that. So as a boy, like, what did being a man mean to you? What did that represent to you, being a man? It, it meant that um, you 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 had to be responsible. It meant that you had to have integrity. Mm. Um, it also meant that um, you had to be in tune with yourself. And when I say in tune with yourself, man, that, um, you know, so often we hear or you hear men tell young boys, you better not be no punk or you little girls cry, things like that. Crying wasn't something that I saw my dad do often, right. but I was able to see him have emotion and express his emotions. Uh, he showed those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So I, okay. Right. I knew that being a man, um, you could you can express yourself or you can show emotion and that didn't show that wasn't a sign of weakness. Yeah. So growing up in, in, in Baltimore, Maryland, man, um, tell me some of the things that made you the man you are today. Like share your story, brother. All right. Um those that that's close to me, um, they really know the walk of life that I took. Those that don't know really don't know it. And I'm I'm not ashamed of it, but I feel like I have to share it because there's so many others that was faced with the challenges, you know, and the decisions that I made. I spent 22 years of my life in the streets, mm. um, definitely on the wrong side of the fence. Do I regret it? No, because it taught me a lot of valuable lessons. Um, am I proud of it? No, because that's not something that you want for those that's coming behind me. Right, right. But I am going to say this. Um, it taught me a lot of life lessons. Yeah. It taught me to be a more diligent businessman and it taught me to interact and be able to work with people um, with different mindsets and be able to, to understand their point of view as well as be able to get what it is that I'm trying to get across to them. Yeah. Um, so I try to take all the positives I can from it and just try to tuck away the negatives that, that happen from it. I got you, man. I got you. So as far as like you was on the wrong side of the tracks, you spent 22 years in the street. What were some of the hardest things about all that? Hiding it from my kids. Yeah. My kids, my kids thought I got up and went to work every day. Mm. And and I purposely did that because I didn't want to glorify what it was that I was doing. Um, But that was the hardest part for me. Um, and it strained the relationship with my parents. Um, so 
that was the, the hardest part. Regardless of all the money that came in, regardless of all the things we were afforded, the relationship with my parents being strained was a burden for me. And me looking at my kids every day, lying to them was a strain. Mm, wow, that's deep, man. So mm. how did the things go with your parents? Were you able to you know, re rebridge the gap? Were you able to build that relationship back up or? Yeah, what happened was the um, the feds came to get me, man. Yeah. And I was doing something right because they didn't know where to come get me from. Right, right, right. They went to my parents' house. Yeah. And I get a call at like 4.40 in the morning and I knew something was wrong because I saw it was my mother's, it was the call from my mother's house. Yeah. And I the phone and the moment I answered the phone my mother she said my name she was like Devon and she she said Devon one of the agents took the phone from her he told them that they was at my parents house that um I had less than an hour to get there or they were going to lock my parents up I said man I don't need an hour I'm on my way now yeah, yeah and um I got up and um my daughter's mother at the time I'm telling her like look I don't know what's about to happen but we got to get some shit together because it's about to be ugly, you know? Yeah. And um, I got her getting herself together and I went straight to my mother's house. And um, this is what really tore me apart, man, and let me know that I needed to do something different. Mm. It's about, it's roughly five something in the morning when I, I, I got there. I parked around the corner from my parents' house and I walked around the corner, called myself, um, hiding my car at the time or whatever. Yeah, I walked around the corner. My my parents live on a residential street, man. Um, yeah. so those houses everywhere. It looked like it was two o'clock in the afternoon. That's how many people was outside. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. you know lights everywhere, man. Everybody out there being nosy. So I when I walked around the corner and walked into my parents' yard, they drawing their guns on me and things like that. And I'm like, yo, this ain't necessary. I came to y'all, right? You know? And um, we go in the house. He hands me the paperwork and all. And I'm not even looking at the paperwork. I'm looking at my mother. My mother's standing there in tears. I mean, mm-hmm. she is boohooing yeah. like a newborn baby. She's like breaking down. And it goes back to my dad. And when I was telling you about my dad showed me that it's okay for a man to show emotion. Yeah. You know, he got tears in his eyes. Yeah. And I'm looking like, what the hell have I gotten them into? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're, they're trying to put the little flexi cuffs on me and things like that. And my mother's saying, please, no, he, he's not that kind of person. Just just go. He's going to go with y'all. Y'all don't have to do that. Yeah. And uh, they did. They, um, they, it's, it's, it was trying to, is that a Zoom from you or something? No, nah, that's not me. We're, we're still know, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they were trying to, um, just get me out the house. And my mother and I was like, please, he's, he's not a bad person. Don't, y'all don't have to do it like that. But nonetheless, they, they took me away. And um, it was two days before I was allowed to talk to anyone. Yeah. And um, when I, I was able to call home and talk to my dad, he gave me the words that a father was going to give to a son in that position. Trust Absolutely. me. Absolutely. It wasn't nothing I wanted to hear, but it was something I needed to hear. And he went through, he said everything he had to say. And the last thing he said to me, Debs, when he said what he had to say was, okay, what is it we need to do to get you out that position? Mm. And I'm like, wow, you know. And keep in mind, when they took me away, they took my mother's van away and they took my father's truck away. Wow. Took his truck away. And my father had 
um, a large sum of money in the bank because he had just got a severance pay from his job. Yeah. They froze his bank he account. froze the assets, yeah. Yeah, they froze his bank account. So look at everything I just said that my parents went through for something they never even have anything to do with. They yeah. lost two vehicles, got their bank account frozen. Yeah. And he's still in my corner. He's still raised to try to figure out a way to make me safe again. Yeah. So um, we went through the whole process. Um, and at first they denied me bail. They wouldn't even give me bail. Yeah. And the judge's reason for not giving me bail, he said, looking at the magnitude of the case, yeah. regardless of a dollar amount that he put on my bail, I was going to find a means to get the money. To get the money, right. He, he's like, nah, that's not what's going to happen. So I had to go back in front of him two times before he actually released me on third-party custody to my mom. For those that don't know what third-party custody is, that means my mother signed the paperwork and say, when it's time for him to go to court, he's going to be there or I'm going to go in his place. Yeah. That's basically to sum it up in a nutshell. So when, when not to cut you off, but when, you're, when your dad gave you that, that stern talking to that, that you needed at that time, and then when he ended it with, what do we need to do to get you out of it? Like, what was you feeling at that time? Like, explain those emotions. I felt like at this point that I, I got to make this right. No matter what it is I got to do to make it right, I need to make it right. If it meant me going away for a lengthy period of time behind bars, whatever I needed to do to make sure that they weren't victimized for the choices that I made, I needed to do it. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the mindset I was. So when I finally came home, um, I went to the lawyer um, and shout out to Mr. Ravenel. I'm not giving him no free advertising, but that man was a life changer for me. Right, right, right. I, I went to him and the first thing he said to me was, if you're not truthful with me, I can't give you the best possible defense you need to be. Right. He said, I don't care what it is you did. I need to know what it is you did. Right, right. Um, and from that moment on, I kind of felt like he became a friend to me. Yeah. Um, and he was a man of his word. Um, within seven days, he had my parents' bank account unfrozen. Yeah. We would have produced the paperwork showing that that was all my dad's money. Yeah. Um, and another nine days, nine or 10 days after that, my parents was able to go pick up their vehicles. Okay. Yeah. Um, mine, of course, was gone. Yeah. You know, Alexis at the time, it, it was it was gone. And yeah. what Mr. Ravenel said to me, he says, what's more important, your freedom or that Lexus? Right. And I knew right then and there I wasn't getting it back and I didn't care yeah. about it. Right. Your freedom um, was more important. Yeah. 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 So when but, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That started changing my relationship with my parents, well, especially my dad. My mom was always in my corner. Yeah. But once my dad realized what it was I was doing um, and how I was living, my dad wouldn't even talk to me. I could be in my parents' house. My dad would come home from work, would see me, put whatever he had in his hand down on the table, would walk upstairs. Mm. Wouldn't even talk to me. What was that feeling like? How, what, like? What did that make you feel? It destroyed me because I'm an only child. Mm. So all I got is my parents. And yeah. my, my dad, that was the, the greatest man in the world to me. Yeah. You know, and for me not to be able to have a conversation with him, it was destroying me, man. I remember one time when I was a little boy, my dad came to me and we were talking. We used to take these rides on Saturdays. Yeah. Me and one Saturday we was out riding. He said to me, he said, everything I had as a child, I'm going to make sure you have as a child. He mm -hmm. said, everything I didn't have as a child, I'm going to make sure you have as a child. Right. And that, to this day, I'm 47 years old and I still have that embedded in me because that's the same thing I try to do for my kids. Yeah. 
You know, so it, it, it was destroying me, man, for my dad to come in the house and not even say two words to me. Yeah, yeah. How did you, like, so how did you overcome that? Like, what what things did you start doing to bridge that, to, to repair that relationship? Um. Well, first things first was I had to fight that case and yeah. put that in. Um, and once I was able to get through that situation and kind of put it behind me, I had to show my father that I was a different person. Mm. That um, I was living differently, yeah. you know, coming more, being more interactive, um, just doing things so he could see that that's not where I was living at, mm. you know. Um, I'm gonna tell you another quick story, real quick, to, to show you the type of character that my, my father had. When my father really found out that I was in the streets the way that I was, yeah, my father has this thing about tractor trailers, man. Yeah, uh, he always wanted to be a truck driver. My father used to work 10 hours on his regular job drive all the way over to Boston Street to the truck stop and sit there for another two hours just so he could smell diesel fuel and watch yeah. the truck coming out. That's yeah. how fascinated he was about these trucks. So when my father found out that I was in the streets the way I was, my father came up with this idea of me and him going to get our CDL together. Yeah. We were going to ride across country driving this big old truck Yeah, make a whole bunch of money. I wasn't with that shit, Dave, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. You talking about us going get in the truck I'm trying to get some money to go buy a truck, you know, right, but right. I, I ran into a little situation. It wasn't the best of the situation. And I just had my first son. Yeah. So I, I heard my father out and listened to what he had to say. We, my father quit his job and we go to Ohio. We're going to be in Ohio for four weeks to go right. through this training program to get our CDL. Yeah. After we were there two weeks, and to, to give you some more insight on it, the trucking company that we went to, after you had been a student there and you had been there seven days, the state of Ohio paid them something like $5,000 I was in grant money for you as a person, for them training, right? So they were just bringing people in. There were so many people there that they couldn't even house all the people. They had people sleeping in trucks. That's how wow. many people they was getting that money. So after um, like two weeks, they came to my dad and they tell my dad they was going to send him home because he didn't have what it takes for him to be a truck driver, right? That's bullshit. I just said they told you this man sat at a truck stop for two hours right. every day smelling diesel fuel and watching trucks and you trying to tell him that he don't have what it takes. Right. I know the person he has about these trucks. If they'd have sent me home, I'd have been good. Right. You know, but they, they sent my dad home and um, I came home that weekend with my dad because we, we caught what's called the hop together. Yeah. My dad said me, he said, listen, he said, if you don't do anything else for me, make me a promise that you'll go back, you'll complete it, and you'll get your CD out, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I got I got a chip on my shoulder. It's like, I got a reason to go back because I'm like, these crackers ain't going to do this to my dad because he's supposed to be a truck driver. Right. I go back to Ohio that Monday, my dad went back to work. So let me tell you how smart my dad is. My dad knew he was going to be in Ohio for four weeks, right? Yeah. He had six weeks vacation on his job. Yeah. He took four weeks in advance. Right. Now, his thought process was after the four weeks, if we get our CDLs, then he got another job. He can go ahead and quit. Right. If it, it don't work out, he can go back to his job because he's only on vacation. Right. So that's what he did. So he told me he quit. So I would take it more serious and looking at the right. sacrifice. Yeah. 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 I go back. I complete. I get my CDL. So now, you know, I have the ability to go out and drive trucks, man. Yeah. And I started driving. And that was some of the best time 
that we had together, man. And, and I say that because I would come home on Sunday, grab my dad, he'd take off a couple of days from work. We'd go out in the truck, it's just me and him. Yeah. And that's what kind of put us in a direction that kind of changed our relationship. And um, right after I got my CDL, I got my CDL in 92. Yeah. And 95 is when all of the situation happened from yeah. the feds, things like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So with with that being said, um, I just used that to when our relationship was strained from the whole situation with the Fed. I used the whole thing with the trucking as a bridge to bring us back mm-hmm. together. That's great, man. That's that's great to hear, and I'm glad that she's able to do that. You know, and and work that out with Dad. That's important. Um. When it comes to your emotions, man, like what is, you seem like you're very in tune, but when it comes to what was harder for you, was it identifying what you feel, processing through what you feel, or expressing the things that you feel? Um, identifying and, and um, expressing. Identifying and expressing? Yeah, and- I've, I've lost relationships, man, with some very, very good women. Um, they call it communication, but as we as men say, we call it expressing. Yeah. I'm a firm believer and the short time that you and I work together, you may have picked up on it because you, you very, very observant about a lot of things. If I don't feel that you can give me a solution to my problem, there's no need for me to discuss my problem with you. Right. Right. And that's the wrong way of looking at things. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times, man, some, you know, we just got to be able to talk and get it out. It's not always about the solution at that time. It's about being expressed and get those things out. Um, you know, I ran into a similar situation in my relationship. Like I'm a fixer, so I want to fix it. So when, when my ex-wife will come to me with a problem, I'm on, I'm immediately in fix it mode. And that's not what she needed. She needed to communicate and we'll talk through where she was at. And I didn't allow that process to happen because I'm always going, okay, boom, this is the problem. Now let's get to focus on the solution. Because, um, you know, solution-focused and resource-oriented. So I understand what you're saying in that terms, man. Now that you're older, you've been through what you've been through. Things happen, man. You're a businessman, a major entrepreneur. You're doing a lot of great things in the community um, with your business, your, you know, and everything you have going on. How has your definition of a man changed from when you were younger to where you at now? Or has it changed at all? It has. I've learned now... Um regardless of how old you are or how much you consider yourself to be a man, without accountability, you're not a man. Mm. And that's the, that's the major thing that I had to implement in my life. Good, better, and different. You got to be accountable. Yes. Okay. I like that. I like that. Accountability. Yeah. So what's one piece of advice you would give men regarding masculinity? And you and I, you know, we, when we was on the show, we used to have conversations regarding around masculinity, what makes a man a man and things like that. But what is one piece of advice you would give a man regarding masculinity? Um, to confront all your insecurities, man. Ooh. Mm. Confront your insecurities. Yeah. You know, if you could do that, you know, all of us are different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the one thing, even down to my relationship now, man, you know, it's certain things that she feels that a man should do and it's certain things um, that I feel like um, it's, it's certain men should be protected. That's without anything, right? Right, right. I don't mean you should be Billy Badass. Right. As, 
as a protector, it's not always about the physical, but right. as a protector, it's our, our, our job to create situations where our kids are not going to be in harm's way. Our lady is not going to go out yes. and, and, yes. and be put in certain situations. That's being a protector. Yeah. Um, protector and preventer is the same thing to me. Yeah. Um, but we, what happens is, you know, it may be some things you as a man good at, some things I'm good at. You may be able to come in this house and knock the sheetrock out, put up some new studs, put it back in the room, look totally different. Yeah. I can't do that. But in the same token, I can go outside and take them wheels off and put bricks on the car, but you can't. Right. So just because it's one thing that you're able to do better than I am, you know, I can't allow that to make me feel like less of a man. I got to recognize my strengths, you know, and either try to build on my weaknesses or not let them overpower where I am. So that's That's, what I can say. Wow. That's, that's great. I like that, you know, acknowledging your strengths, but also accepting your weaknesses, accepting the areas that you're weak in, because we can't be strong in every single area. We ain't supposed to be able to do it all. Like, right. you know, you know that old saying, man, you know, a jack of all trades, a master of none. So, mm-hmm. right, we're not trying to be, you know, do everything. We want to be proficient in many things, but we ain't right. going to be the master of everything. So I like that point, man. So, and, and I think I know the answer to this, man, but, you know, I'm going to ask you anyways, what type of legacy are you leaving in this world? Mm, hardworking. <laughs> hardworking, yeah. Hardworking. Like right now, I'm back in school now, man. I had not I'm not credit shy of my degree. Okay. I I had 52. I needed 61. Yeah. Um, to get my degree. And when I originally went, I was already 35 when I went back to school, man. Right. Right. Um, I was self-employed. I didn't need a degree to get a job. Um, but what I wanted to show my kids is because they were all still in school at that time. Yeah, I wanted to show my kids that it could be done. Yeah, um, yeah. and if Daddy could do it, you definitely could do it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I have three businesses right now I'm currently running. One from being a landlord, one is a yeah. um a small trucking company, and then I have the whole entertainment company with the radio station and me DJing. Right. Um, so one on the outside, we look at that's what I'm leaving as my legacy, but it's not. Right. Um, those are all things that um that they're they're physical things that you can see but i'm not talking about physical i don't want my legacy to be physical um because that could be easily taken away from us but i want them to look at what dad built from nothing i want the dad i want them to see my drive my vision and my ambition their vision ain't had to be my vision right but have a vision yeah that's what i want my legacy to be i want my kids to say okay my dad would have been proud of me because I saw it, I put it in motion, and I accomplished it. Mm. That's what I like to see to be. Saw, put it in motion, and accomplish it. Took action. Brother, that's yeah. deep, man. That, that's that's great. And and you're and you're you're living your legacy. I see it every day in what you do with your grind, man. Um, that's why I was so pleased to have you up on here, man. Because right. I see what you do around, you know, the city of Baltimore, man, and and not just Baltimore, but where you be traveling to and 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 the and the good feelings and the good vibes you bring everybody with through your music through your entertainment business and then the other business ventures that you have. You know, right. I told you, like, you're, you're a role model, brother. You're inspiration. And I appreciate your hustle, man. I appreciate you paving that way, man, just to show that, hey, man, if it's in you and you believe it and you want to get out there and get it, it's there for you. You right. can't. And that's, and that's a great thing, man. So, 
Listen, man, I appreciate you having you having you on, DJ Rock Nice, baddest DJ in the land. Hey, let yeah. people know where they can reach you at, brother. Let people know what you got going on. Yeah, I'm on all social media platforms, man. It's Devon DJ Rock Nice, um, Brooks Facebook at DJ Rock Nice, Instagram and DJ Rock Nice underscore um, on Twitter. You can check me out Monday through Fridays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on WMEG Radio. That's RockMeg1.com, R-O-C. Um, M-E-G, the number one, dot com. And man, listen, if you just want to talk brother to brother, hell, you can call me direct, 443-839-4115. I'm very, very approachable. Um, I'm not the type of person that feels I'm above anyone. Um, Always open to other people's ideas. If um, by any means I can help you get your ideas where you need to be, I'm open for it, man. So just reach out. I love the politics with other people like me, man. Man, that's great, brother. That's great, man. Listen, I appreciate having you on, man. I thank you for all that you're doing. Continue to be that pillar of the community, man, and show people that it's possible, man, to get out here and live the life that you want to live, to build the life that you want to live. All right, brother? All right, definitely. Appreciate you, man. All right, man, peace. I'm here, my brother. You know I love you. Yes, you you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.